We're so glad that you're listening to the Branches Podcast. If you're in the Houston area, we'd love to see you in person at 11 a.m. on Sunday mornings. For more information, go to brancheshtx.org. We hope this message helps you draw closer to God and that you hear the good news that you belong. Thanks for listening. Let's pray together. Almighty God, we are grateful for this Christmas morning, this Christmas Eve evening. (laughs) We're thankful for the excitement that makes us forget what time it is. (laughs) We're grateful for this table we'll come to tonight. We're grateful for our voices that we can lift up in praise to you. We're grateful for this story that impacts all of us individually and stretches to every corner of the world this night. We thank you. We're grateful. We sing together, glory to you in the highest. We sing with the angels and the shepherds and the wise men in this new family. Glory to you, almighty God. We look forward to this picture you've painted for us of hope, for a future, for joy, for peace, for reconciliation, for justice, and for love to rule and reign. Instill that picture in our hearts that we might be part of it, that we might see it come to pass in our own lives that we might be instruments of your love and justice and mercy and compassion in the world. We thank you, almighty God. Amen. Merry Christmas. It's good to be with you. If we haven't met before, my name is Colin. I'm the pastor here at Branches, and Michelle and Carrie and the rest of the team and I would just want to welcome you and say thank you for being here on this Christmas Eve, our very first Christmas Eve as a community. It's so exciting for us to celebrate that with you, and we're so grateful for your presence. Over the past several weeks, we've been looking at this picture that this prophet named Isaiah is painting of the future, this desired future that God has for his community, for his people, for the world. And we looked at it through the kind of facet of this Advent wreath that Christians all over the world look at as an object of kind of organizing our time and looking forward to Christmas, so these ideas, these these hopes of hope, of peace, of joy, and of love. And so uh, I'm going to read the scripture for us this evening, and we'll have a little, we put the QR code up again, uh, a little opportunity for you to check in and let us know that you were here. We can thank you for being here. This is the last picture for us as we look to this Christmas Eve night of what Isaiah desired for through God, uh, for God's people. It's in Isaiah 9, starting in verse 2. It says this, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in pitch dark land, light is dawned. You have made the nation great. You've increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as those who divided plunder rejoice. As on the day of Midian, you've shattered the yoke that burdened them, the staff on their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Because every boot of the thundering warriors and every garment rolled in blood will be burned, fuel for the fire. A child is born to us, a son is given to us, and authority will be on his shoulders. He'll be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. There will be a vast authority and endless peace for David's throne, for his kingdom, establishing it and sustaining it with justice and righteousness now and forever. The zeal of the Lord of heavenly forces will do this. Friends, this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. I'll never forget it, and it's one of those stories, and maybe you have one of those, um, that wasn't funny at the time, but is funny now. (laughs) 
maybe it was embarrassing or painful or not something that you want to look back on. But now, like, people, like, tell you to tell it. Like, will you please tell the story of that time you hurt yourself or embarrassed yourself in front of everyone or whatever else? Uh, mine is a little more serious, but I turned out okay, I think. Um, between ninth and 10th grade that summer, uh, I rode a skateboard around a lot. Not well, I'll add. Uh, and... Uh, in riding my skateboard around, my friends and I would find places where we shouldn't be, public places for the most part, or like people's businesses where we could find stair sets to uh, try to do tricks on. Not well, again. And there was Simmons Bank uh, on Main Street in my hometown, Russellville, Arkansas, and there was a five-set staircase there. Uh, and the good thing about the staircase is you could go wear yourself out falling down, and there was a Sonic right across the street. And so my friends and I, it was two of us, Kevin and Ryan, we were at uh, the bank, and we shouldn't have been there, but it was a Sunday, so nobody was there. I guess, I, looking back, I should have been at church, I guess. <laughs> uh, and we wore ourselves out, and we fell down a few times, and it was time to go to Sonic. Well, if we, weren't, if we were honest with ourselves, we knew that the real goal was to get to Sonic, not to skateboard. And so it was, you know, uh, two lanes, a turn lane, and two more lanes, and so we ran across the first two lanes and stood in the turning lane, and it was me, Kevin, Ryan, oncoming traffic. Uh, I looked both ways for the first two lanes. I didn't for the next two. <laughs> and I stepped out with my skateboard in hand in front of a car, and uh, it hit me. And my skateboard went flying. Uh, Kevin he told the story that instead of like taking care of me, he saw my skateboard go flying and he ran after it. <laughs> uh, and I went flying through the air, I hit my head on his windshield, uh, and then hit the ground. If any of you know someone who skateboards or you have yourself, you know the kind of deal is you wear shoes that are like really loose and you don't tie them very tight. My shoes were in the spot I was standing where I got hit. I got knocked out of my shoes into the air and onto the ground. And just with the adrenaline pumping and just like not really knowing what was going on, I stood up quickly, ran the other two lanes across the street, and then fell down into the grass in front of Sonic. I made it. <laughs> I made it to Sonic. Uh, I was wearing like one of my favorite t-shirts. The ambulance came. Uh, they cut my favorite t-shirt from the middle up just to check me out. Uh, they, it was the most expensive ambulance ride of all time, my dad tells me. Uh, it was just a couple of blocks. <laughs> uh, and I went into the hospital, and I had broken my arm, like, just under the joint here. And I, like, hit my face pretty hard, so I had a big mark on my face. And they gave me a tetanus shot. And my friends came into the hospital, and they were there. My parents were at bingo, uh, so they got a phone call from the hospital. My dad is like, Pam, we have to go. She's like, why? And he's like, I'll tell you in the parking lot. And she kind of made a scene as I understand it, like, tell me why, you know? And they got up and they came to find me. And my twin sister, Jillian, was at drill team camp. And my parents made what I think was a wise decision. They said, she has a couple more days. Let's not tell her. He, he's fine. Uh, we'll tell her about it when she gets back. Uh, remember, I'm from a small town in Arkansas. Stuff gets around quick. So someone at drill team camp said, Jillian, your brother got hit by a car. He's dead. <laughs> and of course, my sister was distraught. <laughs> and it got around, and the story had changed quite a bit before it got to her. And so she calls my dad. Dad, 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 somebody just told me that Colin was hit by a car. Yes. <laughs> and that he's dead. No. <laughs> so in that moment, like this reality that he, she had created in herself, like how do these other people know what happened to my brother and I didn't know, and it just, you know, a, a, a hole was punched through what she believed about what had happened. 
Had I been hit by a car? Yes, but I was not dead, of course. Uh, but my parents had decided to wait. B- between the reality of what was and the reality of what Jillian knew, they decided they wanted to keep a barrier up between it, uh, and it didn't work. <laughs> Somebody else found out. And I, I read this story in Isaiah, this picture that he paints, and also the story in the gospel, and I think about the same thing, that, that Isaiah has painted this picture for us over the past several weeks of a future where a lion lays down with a lamb, and people that you wouldn't think get along, get along, and the ground is fertile, and where there was desert, there's now water, and the nations thrive, and people love one another and care for one another, there's reconciliation, and, and there's hope on the horizon for that. But on the other side of it, there's reality cold, hard reality. And for the people that first read Isaiah or heard these prophecies, they would think the same thing. People in exile, people under oppression of their government, people that uh, didn't get along, people that didn't understand what God was trying to do, that were alienated and not where they think they should be if they indeed believed in this God that was going to make everything right. So to hear this image, this picture, this promise that Isaiah gives to God's people would have been radical for them that they would have found themselves sitting in and walking in darkness, and that one day there would be light, and the harvest would come, and violence would be done away with, and this oppression, this weight that they felt would be lifted, they would be free, and, and the garments that had blood on them from these battles would be burned in a fire, and it would be fulfilled in this way, a child is born to us. A son is given to us. Authority will be on his shoulders. And he has all these wonderful names. Counselor, God, Father, Prince of Peace. And he'll be authoritative. He'll rule and reign. And this would have been good news for them because they'd had a long line of failures after them. A long line of people who had been ruling over them and done a terrible, terrible job. And so their expectation was, okay, this, this new king is going to come, and he's going to come from this powerful family, and they're going to raise him up, and he's going to know right from wrong, and he's going to rule mightily, and we're going to all get behind him, we're all going to believe in him. And then Christians dare to believe that this promise was fulfilled in a homeless baby in a manger by a, a teen mom who, again, I was born in a small town in Arkansas, like something like that gets around quick, and I try to imagine what sorts of things were said about and to Mary when she was pregnant and not yet married to Joseph. And, 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 and this promise is going to be fulfilled in that. A hole is punched in the reality between what God promised and their own reality and also their own expectations of the way things might be, of the way things could be, be fulfilled in this wiggling, crying, homeless, future carpenter baby not from a family of a high name, not from a family that people would expect, not from a family that people would have even guessed would come from, and that's where he came from. When we pray the Lord's Prayer, we pray this audacious thing, that that the world we live in would be like God's world, would be like the heavens. We pray this audacious thing, that, that, that the way things are now, would God's world collide with it so it might change. We pray that audaciously, and maybe, maybe you've caught a glimpse of that in your own life, that, that, that it would be like here as it is in heaven, that it would be in Houston as it is in heaven, that it would be in my family as it is in heaven, that it would be in my neighborhood, on my street, as it is in heaven. And that's the audacious thing we pray. We pray that a hole might be punched in reality, that we can catch a glimpse, that it's dark on this side and light on that side. I just want to peek 
I just want something to expect. I just want something to hope for. I just want something that maybe things could be different. Maybe I could dare to believe that even though things aren't great now, they could be great tomorrow. Or, or even though things aren't reconciled between me and that other person, maybe they could be reconciled tomorrow. And it's never, at least for me, this like beam from heaven, like, okay, everything's right now. I prayed the prayer. It was bad yesterday. It's good today. But maybe, maybe I do catch a glimpse of this person, of this wonderful counselor, of this prince of peace, of this almighty father in this person. And when I read this, this Christmas story, this, this good news of a baby, I catch a glimpse of it. And then I see the, the, the face of a smiling person or the, the warmth of, of a hug of somebody else or the, the gift of sharing with someone who has little. And I catch that glimpse, that there's a, a glimmer of it. I saw this uh, picture, this kind of side-by-side picture of the Christmas tree in Kiev, Ukraine uh, this past week. I think we have a slide of it. Yeah. And you see over the past few years, in 2019, in 2020, and 2021, like, I want to go there. And I'm like, granted, even during COVID, I mean, look at the, the beauty of it. And then here it is, like, this year at Christmas. And you, maybe you can't see it from where you are, but there are families around it. And there's these beautiful doves, you know, signifying peace there on the tree. And there are people taking pictures in front of it. And there's this little glimmer of light. There's these lights on uh, and these windows in the building behind it. There's a light on, it was maybe an exit sign over there. And when I think about the hope that God gives us on Christmas, I don't necessarily think about maybe the big giant celebration that happens in Kiev, Ukraine every year on Christmas, but I think of this. That for the people that first heard the Christmas story, they didn't get just a beam of light come down from heaven, like there was a baby in a manger and there were stinky farmer shepherds around him. <laughs> and there were maybe angel voices and there was also the wise men that came, but it was a glimmer of hope that, 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 that expands and gets brighter and brighter as time goes on and sometimes seems like it's not even there. But a hole was punched through reality into our present. And that hole remains open and we catch glimpses of it every day and every now and then and maybe sometimes tomorrow, maybe sometimes it was a long time ago, but a hole was punched through reality. When I was deciding whether or not I wanted to go into ministry, there's this thing in the family of Christians that we're a part of uh, that you have to do where you have to go back to your home church and ask them to vote on you. Uh, And a lot of these people knew me like, that's the kid that got hit by the car outside Sonic. Uh, and he wants to be a pastor, you know? Uh, and they saw me at my worst, and maybe some of them at my best, and they saw all these, like, different parts and the facets of my life. And I had to go back to them and be like, I think I might am supposed to be a pastor. Would you say yes to me? And I was, I don't know, wayward and aimless at the time. <laughs> but I had maybe this glimpse, this glimmer of maybe a call that God might have for me, and And so I wanted to go back, even if I could just step into the process a little bit. And they voted on me, and it went well. Here I am, you know. Uh, uh, And the pastor at that church at the time, Tom Fraze, he's still a pastor in Arkansas, he handed me this envelope, and it was the ballots of the people that voted. And it had all the yeses in it. And I don't know to this day if there were any no's. may have been. Uh, and it was, my mom was there. She was like, no, please don't. You know, do something else. <laughs> uh, but he handed me this envelope with yeses in it. And he said something I'll never forget. And I try to share it with people all the time that are thinking about stepping into ministry. He says, keep your yeses. Uh, you're going to get told no a lot. So hold on to your yeses. And I think about a yes to you, a yes that someone says to you, even if it's not a verbal yes, but it's a welcome, that's a yes. Or an invitation, 
or a smile or a shared meal or help when you need help, a yes given to you, punches a hole through reality like we're talking about in Advent and at Christmas. That when it seemed like you were walking in darkness, when it seemed like it was no all the time, someone said yes. And I think all of us can look back on a time in our lives when we think like, somebody said yes to me and it made all the difference. It punched a hole through my reality and I could finally see a glimmer of light when someone said yes to you. At Christmas, God says yes to us collectively. God says yes to humanity. God, who is apparently far off and other than we are and totally could just set himself apart and be holy and doesn't need us, and sometimes to some people doesn't seem like he even likes us that much, (laughs) we find out, no, the, the opposite is the case. He said yes to us, and the way that he said yes to us was by taking on flesh in the form of this baby. God says yes to you. Uh, I really like the movie, and I haven't seen the sequel yet, but I'm dying to watch it, uh, Knives Out. And in it, Daniel Craig who's, plays this French detective, Benoit Blanc, and there's this part where they're trying to like put the pieces together of this murder, and he says, ah, it doesn't make any sense, but it's compelling. And I think that's what Christmas is to me. It doesn't make any sense. Who would want to be near us? I know me, and I know some of you. Who would want to be near us? <laughs> Who would want to take on flesh and walk among us? Who would want to be part of our family? Who would want to be in any of this mess? Who would want to give me any good news? It doesn't make any sense, but it's compelling. And that's what we're asked to believe on Christmas, that God said yes to you, not just verbally, but came to be with you. I watched uh, Little Women the other night with some of my family, And there's this really beautiful moment. There's this kind of love triangle between two of the uh, March sisters and uh, Timothy Chalamet. They're like, who can blame them? It's Timothy Chalamet, you know? Uh, And uh, one of the sisters is now married to him, and the other sister was maybe going to maybe consider, like, you know, rekindling this romance with him. And the sister who's now married to Timothy Chalamet says, are you mad? And Joe March, the main character, she says, life is too short to be mad at one's sister's. It's good advice for me, someone who has two sisters and no brothers. Life is too short to be mad at one's sisters. But additionally, life is too short to not take every opportunity we have, whatever means we have, whatever gifts that we have, to punch a hole in reality. That when we have hope to share it, then we have the opportunity to make peace so much as it depends on us to make peace. When we have the opportunity to grant someone else this moment of joy that will be a deep seed in their heart that will spring up into something beautiful, to take that chance. To love when we have the opportunity to love, especially when it's hard. Life is too, too, too short. There's this really great Christian hymn, uh, Christ is the World's Light, and sometimes churches sing it on Advent. And in it, uh, the beauty of the song, is the words are this, Christ is the world's light, Christ and none other. Born in our darkness, he became our brother, came to be with us. If you have seen him, you have seen the Father. Glory to God on high. That if holds so much in it. If you have seen him, you've seen what God is like. If you look at Jesus, you see what God is like. If you see the one who came to be with us, you see what God is like. If you see the one who demanded peace of his followers, you've seen what God is like. If you see the one who drew near to the poor and the oppressed and the lowly and the marginalized, you have seen God face to face. If. For many of us, it's, it's when. When we look upon this person, we've seen God. 
And when we point to him, when we say, look, this is what God is like. He's not malicious. He's not ugly. He's not mean. He's not vindictive. He doesn't hate you. He's not coming after you to punish you. He loves you so much that he came to be with you as a baby in Jesus. You punch a hole in someone else's reality. Who by the church has been told that they're not worthy or worth anything and don't belong. Who've been told by Christians that they don't want to be part of their family anymore for something of who they are, what they did who have been disinvited from a family gathering. Maybe even on this night, someone is feeling that. And you have an opportunity. It's before us all the time to say, no, God is not like that. God is the one who said yes to me, and he says yes to you. And the way that we we shed light on the world is to say yes to someone else. Because someone said yes to you. And it goes all the way back. It begins with God saying yes to you and coming to be with you. Christmas for me, and I want to invite you to think about it this way too, if anything, is an invitation, is an opportunity to say yes, to say, it doesn't make any sense why God would want anything to do with me, but it's compelling. That life is too short to say, like, you know, I'm walking in darkness, and I kind of like it. <laughs> uh, I have an opportunity to, 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 to shed some light somewhere else, but I don't want to take it. It would take too much energy, or it would be uncomfortable, or it would mean I would have to step out and say something. I want to invite you to take that opportunity, to take that chance, to, to see reality as somebody experiences, experiences it and say that's not the way that it is, that despair and suffering and, and violence is only inevitable now, but what's really inevitable, what really gets the last word is the light and love and mercy and compassion of Christ. What really gets the last word is this, Emmanuel, God with us. What really gets the last word is this. Yes. God saying yes to you and every person. That's the last word. God saying yes. Let's say yes back. Let us pray. Almighty God, we thank you for 2,000 years ago. Stepping into our reality. Stepping into our dirt and our muck and our mire. Stepping into the mess around us not to fix it and, and, and shame us about it, but to be with us in it, to walk alongside us through it, to shed light in the darkness around us, to say yes to us. We're thankful for that yes so long ago that it rings out even now as we celebrate this day together. Thank you for saying yes. Instill in our hearts the courage to say yes to the world around us, to shed light and love on all people we encounter to punch a hole in reality, that people truly see the hope and the peace and the joy and the love that you bring that only comes from you. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. God with us. Amen.